swing and a drive, deep to left center field, going, going, goodbye baseball! This is Extra Innings. Fastball swing and a miss, strike three, that's going to retire the side. Seattle sports goes inside the Mariners with more stories, insights, and analysis than you'll find anywhere. Drilled up the middle, oh, what a catch by J.P. Crawford. Step in the batter's box in the top of the tent right now. Have you caught your breath over the last 48 hours? I know the Mariners didn't give us much of a chance to do so on Wednesday afternoon in their still dramatic comeback victory, winning 4-3 over the Yankees to take 2-3 of from that Yankee series. But you look at the craziness of Tuesday night, a game that I think a lot of us still are looking back on as potentially – a turning point in this season, or at least a jumping off point that can tell us just who this Mariners team is because they looked that Yankees team in the eye on Tuesday night and they were not going to blink no matter what happened, no matter what the game threw at them. They were not going to go down without a fight. And you saw what the Yankees were able to, I guess, try to do against the Mariners in the in extra innings specifically. They had... So many base running mistakes, but they were going to be aggressive against the Mariners. The Mariners were like, no, no, you're not. You're not going to get a run off of this bullpen. You're not going to get a run off of this pitching staff. And it makes me wonder, especially how the Mariners have taken two series against the Yankees. But in that middle series, they split against the Angels. And if you heard me filling in earlier this week for Michael Bumpus on Bump and Stacy, you heard my concerns I had with the Mariners coming out of that Angel series, especially with the offense. Now, do I think the offense is magically fixed? Well, they scored one run in the 13th inning on Tuesday night, and they scored four runs uh, on Wednesday in a nine-inning game. They needed a Carlos Santana home run to give them the edge in that one. But I look at this team right now, and their ability to outpitch opponents is going to take them places. Now, it is also going to make up for the lack of offense that we've seen from them, but they also have dealt with plenty of injuries throughout the year. But you look at what this Mariners team has maybe proven in these two series victories, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later on uh, with Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com who's going to join me here on uh, at 7.15 here on Extra Innings. By the way, we've got a lot of people coming through. We've got Levi Weaver of The Athletic who will give us a Rangers preview coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Also, you'll hear my conversation uh, as well as Stacy Ross' conversation with Paul Seawald from earlier this week. Uh, he has been incredible out of the Mariners' bullpen, and we're going to talk about that bullpen uh, throughout the night as well as they have just been lights out. They've been able to uh, kind of shake off the rust of the early season when they were not winning these close games, and now they are. They are absolutely winning these close games. But I, I want to ask this question and chime in on the Mac and Jack's text line, 206-421-3776, 866-979-3776. What have the Mariners proven following another series win versus the Yankees? They won four of six games against the American League's best team this season, or at least record-wise. Uh, at one point, the Yankees were the best team in the American League. They've faltered since, having lost, what, seven of eight? They lost five in a row coming into this Mariners series. They won game one and then dropped games two and game three. So what have the Mariners proven following yet another series win against the Yankees? Well, 
in, in my opinion, they have proven that last year's formula can be replicated, which is wild to think about because the Mariners and, and what they were able to do in 2021 win 90 games while having the run differential that they did and winning as many close ball games just never felt like it was going to be duplicated. It never felt like that was possible because of how unlikely that sort of outcome of a season was for how the Mariners chose to play their games. Now, the Mariners lead the league in one-run wins this season. They would be the first team to do that in back-to-back seasons in a long time. I believe it was the Dodgers in the 80s that last did it, uh, winning one-run games, back-to-back seasons like that. Maybe there is a method to this madness that the Mariners have had over the last couple of seasons now, and really uh, a lot of seasons under Jerry Depoto. I think back to the 2018 season when the Mariners got off to such a hot start in that season, they were well above 500, and yet their run differential was around zero. It was it was very close, but I mean, you look at this team when they come into games in the seventh, eighth, ninth inning. It does feel like if it's close, the Mariners have a shot. And there was a stat today where the Mariners are the only team right now with a winning record if they have a lead in the eighth or ninth inning. This, or they have an undefeated record, I should say. If they enter a game into the eighth or ninth inning, up they're forty-five and zero when they have a lead in the eighth or ninth inning. That is a pretty incredible mark, considering the fact that they themselves have done what they don't do is is give up leads they they have definitely taken leads from other teams late in ball games as we've seen uh throughout their time against the texas rangers the team that they're going to face tomorrow we'll talk about that with levi weaver coming up at eight o'clock tonight um, just how the mariners have been able to to do that against the rangers so often this season um, but maybe there is a little method to the madness maybe there is somebody responsible for all this and, and jerry depoto uh, who joined Mike Salk earlier today on Seattle Sports Station. Uh, I mean, Scott Service, it, it, him and Scott have been in lockstep for, what, seven years now? And it is amazing to see just how often Service presses the right buttons down in the bullpen. Now, there was a time earlier this season where the conversation surrounding Service and, and surrounding DePoto, mainly when the Mariners were 29-39, and 39, losing that Angels series, losing four or five to them, and really not being competitive in, in those four losses. Look, there was, there was real conversation, at least amongst the fan base, of are these the right guys for the job? And obviously, as the season has turned in a big way in the Mariners' favor, Scott Service does get a lot of credits. Jeff Passan of ESPN talked about how much credit service is deserving for the Mariners pulling out all these one-run victories. I think that has something to do with it. I also think that has to do with bullpen mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Sure. And I think Scott Service does a really good job of running that bullpen. And look, when when you can – I'm not going to say, like, I'm not going to give the club too much credit here for – creating relievers because that takes away from what the pitchers do to work with what they're given. But the Mariners have been able to develop quality bullpen arms. And I think that's another thing that they have proven is that gives, give them somebody that can throw with some velocity and has a nice little secondary pitch 
and all of a sudden you're going to look at a bullpen that is one of the best in baseball. They did it last year with Casey Sadler and Drew Steckenrider. They don't have those guys this year. They had Steckenrider to start the season. He was a net negative. But now they've been able to to find what can make Diego Castillo an effective arm again in the bullpen. Andres Munoz has been just filthy for the better part of a couple months now. Paul Seawald is back to being the Paul Seawald of a year ago. You look at the soft contact being made off of him time and time again. It is just a weak grounder right back to him or a weak grounder to the catcher or the first baseman. You look at Eric Swanson, who's having the season of his career. Uh, Guys like Penn Murphy have been revelations. Matt Festa, he's turned himself into a a bit of a name down in the Mariners' bullpen after a a few seasons now where either he was dealing with injury or just simply ineffectiveness. This is a Mariners' bullpen that is one of the very best in all of baseball. Aaron Boone, Yankees manager, following yesterday's loss to the Mariners, was very complimentary of the pitching, specifically the bullpen. Do you feel like that could be a team you might run into? Oh, I think, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the, I, th- I think they're they're really good. Uh, they can pitch. Um, you know, obviously have some good starters, but their bullpen is, you know, I think about as good a bullpen as, as we face. Um, you know, they, they can mix and match. They... They got right and left uh, in their lineup. Obviously, they're going to get Rodriguez back, and um, so yeah, it's you know that team certainly feels for real. Well, Aaron Boone, who has been manager for a couple of hundred win teams in New York, hasn't gotten them to the World Series yet, but he knows what winning baseball looks like. He won a World or he participated in a World Series with the Yankees back in '03. Uh, this is a guy that has been around the game for a long time. He says the Mariners are for real, and, and that bullpen is a big reason why. I mean, we saw it in the 13-inning game where it was reliever after reliever after Castillo still managed to give the Mariners eight innings in that game. Uh, you just look at what the Mariners have been able to prove on that with their pitching. It is just wild how many arms they now have this deep into the season. And speaking of pitching, they've also proven that their starting pitching is light years ahead of where they were to end last season. Last season, you had Yusei Kikuchi giving you uncompetitive innings. You had Tyler Anderson, who unfortunately has turned into one of the better starters in the National League, but there were also some games where Tyler Anderson started and was like, mm, I don't know about this. Logan Gilbert in the month of August a year ago uh, had an ERA about nine. He rebounded in September, but there were huge question marks in the starting rotation. Now you you are feeling the squeeze where Chris Flexen gets sent to the bullpen. George Kirby has been great as a rookie. You've got Logan Gilbert, who is maybe experiencing those same kind of August woes he did a year ago, but through the totality of this season has been one of the better top-of-the-rotation arms in the American League. Robbie Ray, at his very best, and we have seen him at his very best. That was that stretch from mid-June to mid-July where he was giving up maybe three hits a game, one run or no runs. He had a great start last night against the Yankees, giving the Mariners an opportunity to win. Didn't get the win, but he he put the Mariners in position to, to stay in that game and, and match Nestor Cortez for the most part, pitch for pitch. The Mariners did pull off the, the victory. And then Luis Castillo who is the best starting pitcher the Mariners have had since peak Felix Hernandez. A guy that is just dripping with talent. A guy that 
can command a rotation, and you just see his demeanor out on the mound. I look at that that inning, the eighth inning against the Yankees. He gets two runners on. They go and visit the mound with one out in the inning, and Castillo just has this smirk on his face like, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I, sh- I should have gotten those guys. Don't worry about it, guys. I'll, 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 I'll fix this. I'll get us out of the inning. Sure enough, got him out of the inning unscathed, and he – finishes off eight eight shutout innings in his first home start, and you can't endear yourself more to the Mariners fans than by doing that in your home debut. Another thing that they've proven is that they can sustain this without big names. You've At times, you've been missing Mitch Haniger, you've been missing Ty France, you've been missing Julio Rodriguez, Kyle Lewis has been in and out of the lineup, and now he's been sent down to the minor leagues. They've proven they can sustain this winning pace without the big names. We're on the verge of them getting every single one of these big names back. Julio should be back tomorrow. And they've also proven that they have the right man at the helm, Scott Service, and he continues to push the right buttons. He continues to put this team in position to win night in and night out. Very rarely are the Mariners playing uncompetitive games, and, and we have rarely seen that over the course of the last two months dating back to really that Angels series at the end of June. So, the Mariners have proven those things. What else do they have left to prove? Well, plenty, but that's the beauty of the rest of this regular season that we have a month and a half left in, is that we're going to see every single night what these Mariners have to prove. And, and look, I'm, I'm excited to see what else they want to teach us. I'm very excited about that. And one thing that Brandon Gustafson is telling you is that the Mariners showed that they can win their way against the game's very best. He'll tell you why next. This is Extra Innings. I'm Curtis Rogers. You're listening to Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. Welcome back into Extra Innings. Surprise special guest, someone who's never appeared on Extra Innings before, at least this week. It's Brandon Gustafson, who is a weekly guest, though, on this show. <laughs> You're right, though. Have not been on here this week. It's so true. It's, uh, this is a big moment for me. This is our first show of the week, our only show of the week, so it's your only opportunity to stop by on Extra Innings this week. But Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com, a show favorite, at least of mine, I would say, of everybody's. People far and wide are telling me, when's Brandon going to be on? Well... He's on right now. It's right now, everybody. <laughs> it is. Do not miss it. Brandon, you've got a column up on seattlesports.com today that says Mariners show they can win their way against baseball's elite. Now, a huge series that they just wrapped up against the Yankees, took two of three. This comes off the heels of them taking two of three against the Yankees in the Bronx. There, There is that little caveat, win their way against yeah, baseball's exactly. elite. What do you mean by that? So if it wasn't clear before the trade deadline, it was very clear afterwards that the Mariners were going all in on their pitching staff and their bullpen as far as carrying this team to a playoff berth and potentially deeper into the playoffs. They didn't go out and acquire a a big bat. Really, the the two bats that they acquired at the deadline were complementary type pieces. Jake Lamb, utility guy, corner outfielder, corner infielder, and then Kirk Casale, a backup catcher. Whereas they went out there, and even though their starting rotation's been among the best in baseball and they've had the great bullpen, they made the big splash for Luis Castillo. They won those series against the Yankees because they went out there and they just outpitched New York and a very good New York ball club and, and lineup. They have the... 
They have the MVP. Aaron Judge is absolutely going to win the American League MVP, assuming that he stays healthy the rest of the way. So I, it's it's it was very clear for me just watching that series. I mean, 13 scoreless innings against New York on Tuesday. Robbie Ray didn't have his best stuff yesterday. And yeah, they might have left him in for a bat or two long when he gave up the home run. But six and six and a third, six and two thirds of two run ball against the Yankees at home. I mean, you'll take that. Absolutely. This is a team that's shaping up to be very, very tough to beat, especially assuming they're going to be in that three game wild card spot. That's gonna, that's not fun if you're an opposing team and you're facing Robbie Ray, Luis Castillo on back-to-back days, in addition to the incredible bullpen that they have. Definitely, definitely. And you look at, at, at just what Castillo has given this Mariners rotation right now in his two starts only coming against the Yankees, which is <laughs> about as good of a measuring stick as you can have as a pitcher in baseball. Like He has made them look silly at times. There was a – was it – Castillo, who got the swing on a strikeout that Goldsmith was like, what a silly little hack that was. Or, no, I think that was, I think that was, God, I can't remember if that was Castillo's or Munoz or Seal. I don't know. Their, their whole, everybody that they rolled out there they on Tuesday arms, was just disgusting. That was the best pitch game I've ever seen. <laughs> it was incredible. Now you look at Castillo and just what he adds to this rotation. I mean, I don't know if there was a, a common sense from Mariners fans that the Mariners were acquiring an ace-level pitcher. Now, we all knew that Castillo was good from his time in Cincinnati, but has he, even in his two starts, maybe even exceeded what you had expected from him? I mean, I knew he was really good. (laughs) You don't don't become an all-star by not being an excellent, excellent pitcher. And one of the things that I looked at, and I I haven't looked at it since his, his most recent start, but after that first start against New York, against Garrett Cole, where where the Mariners touched up Garrett Cole pretty good in that first inning, and he was very good after that, but Luis Castillo worked into the seventh inning. Uh, gave, I think he just gave up two or three runs. He, he was very sharp that game as well. He he had twice as much wins above replacement as Garrett Cole, and he missed all of April. He didn't God. make his season start <laughs> until May 9th. I mean, just incredible, and he keeps the ball in the ballpark, and in, in, he has a high ground ball rate. Uh, he strikes guys out at a high clip. He's got obviously just ridiculous stuff, upper 90s stuff. Uh, like Scott Service kind of mentioned it after that first start. Scott wasn't really here for vintage Felix. Scott and Jerry, they kind of got the back-end version of Felix. Uh, wasn't able to stay healthy. Wasn't nearly as effective as we kind of had grown accustomed to for so many years. Luis Castillo in these two starts is the closest thing to Felix Hernandez that the Mariners have had as far as vintage Felix in almost a decade. Maybe, you know, a little less than that. But since Felix probably made his last All-Star game, that that was the just two back-to-back pitching performances and against a New York team that, like you said, just great lineup. And it's especially incredible when you consider that not only have his last two starts come against the Yankees, three of his last four, his second to last start with Cincinnati before he got traded was also in New York against the Yankees. Just makes it all that much more impressive. And he mowed him down that night too. Yeah, exactly. Seven innings of two hit ball. I think he only allowed maybe one run that night. Uh, he just is, he has owned the Yankees this season, at least in the regular season. Would not mind see him going up against the Yankees in the postseason as well. Uh, Brandon, back to the rotation you mentioned Robbie Ray and Luis Castillo as your definitive number one and number two right now. We've seen Logan Gilbert kind of take his lumps over the last month or so. Chris Flexen moved to the bullpen within the last 24 hours. Marco Gonzalez has been up and down. You've got George Kirby, who has been good but is nearing his innings limit. Who do you have right now as sort of that number three 
guy in the rotation. I think it's still Gilbert. Gilbert's been really good this year. I mean, even when you consider that these last two starts against the Yankees, he got touched up pretty good. His season numbers are pretty good. His issue is just he needs to he needs to limit hard contact a little bit better than he's done. He finds himself just throwing too many hittable fastballs over the heart of the plate. But one thing that I'm encouraged about with Gilbert is what we saw last year. He was really bad in August last year. I don't think a lot of people remember that. He had like an 8 or a 9 ERA across four or five starts in August of last year before really turning it around in September as that playoff push got especially hot. And I think he had like a 2-7 ERA. So this is somebody who's absolutely able to make adjustments. He's a smart pitcher in addition to just being, you know, he's a physical freak. He's 6'6", he's long, he throws gas, he's got the hard sliders. So I, I think he'll absolutely figure it out. He's a, he's a good enough pitcher and a smart enough pitcher to be able to do that. So I think you still kind of slot him in as that number three and – Marco Gonzalez, I mean, he was better out against the Angels, but there's just been a, a few too many outings of late where you kind of scratch your head, and especially with the move of Flex into the bullpen, you kind of wonder what really why the decision was made to take Flexen out. But as we've seen for a few years, Marco can figure it out too. But if I was, if if the Mariners are going into a three game playoff series like we're expecting, I think Gilbert would be that third guy. Yeah, you. I mean, Marco last season in the second half of the year was vintage Marco. Yeah, he was, really turned it around. Yeah, he was exactly who we've all come to expect. But this season, we've it's been kind of fleeting seeing vintage Marco. You mentioned Flexen's move to the bullpen. What do you make of that? Because I think a lot of us kind of assumed that Flexen was going to stay in the rotation. Yeah, maybe it was going to be Kirby that gets moved to the bullpen, as he's he's obviously near his his innings count. What did you make of Flexen getting moved to the pen? I was surprised. I think like many, <laughs> uh, Chris Flexen has been just phenomenal for this team since he signed before last season. And nobody would have expected that the guy from the KBO would go out there and just, it seems like every single outing he's working into the sixth, seventh inning and he's allowing three or fewer runs. He's just putting up quality start after quality start. And, it's, you know, like we always joke about with the with the Marco Gonzalez comments about like, oh, it's not sexy. Chris Flexen, the way that he gets outs in the same way, not not like super sexy like Luis Castillo and Robbie Ray and Logan Gilbert can be. But he just always found a way to just work into that sixth, seventh inning. So I was, I was really surprised by it. I do think if you're talking about moving someone to the bullpen and seeing kind of like what, what Scott and Jerry have talked about, seeing the stuff tick up. Flexen has a better chance of having his stuff tick up, I think, going to the bullpen than someone who's a crafty lefty like Marco Gonzalez. But uh, Marco Gonzalez is really going to have to, you know, kind of get it together and, and just kind of be, like you've mentioned, vintage Marco going forward, especially considering that they moved a very, very capable starter into the bullpen in order to keep him there. Yeah, I can't see Marco pumping 95, 96 no. <laughs> at any point. Uh, that's just not his game. That's never been his game. Brandon Gustin of SeattleSports.com join us here in studio on Extra Innings this evening. And Brandon, there's been some roster shuffling over the last couple of days. Kyle Lewis gets sent down. You've got you know, Dylan Moore back in the lineup. Sam Haggerty has been performing incredible uh, over the last month or so. When you look at just how this roster is going to – fill out over the season's final month and a half when Julio is back possibly tomorrow. Uh, just how do you see them performing? Because it's kind of felt like this team has been one bad away all season long, and you're going to be at the most healthy, I would think, that you've been all season long if you're the Mariners. Uh, do you think we're finally going to see them be able to produce runs at a more consistent clip? Yeah, I I think so, and and Haggerty has been incredible. God, yeah, yeah and, and just kind of a spark plug. And 
Um, I think really he and Adam Frazier deserve a lot of credit for the last few weeks because runs have been very hard for this team to come by in the last in the last really month. And those two have been kind of consistent drivers of that. Adam Frazier is stepping into the leadoff spot as Julio Rodriguez is out of action. So getting Julio back is obviously going to be huge. Mitch Hanniger has been really good since he got activated and having him for these last two months, I think is going to be really important. And something that people tend to forget is rosters expand in, in not too, <laughs> not too long from now. So Kyle Lewis, if he can go down to Tacoma and kind of figure it out and, and really get his timing down and he gets back up, I, I think he can make an, an impact in the last month of the season into the playoffs too. So uh, I, I think that they'll hopefully be able to, be a little more consistent as far as getting the runs across the board and the good news for them like we mentioned earlier they're probably not going to need a lot of runs to win if they they can get four runs consistently on a night in night out basis that starting rotation in that bullpen will absolutely keep him in those games to where that's going to be enough he is brandon gustafson read his work at seattlesports.com follow him on twitter at vb gustafson Brandon, busy weekend in Seattle sports. Oh, I'm sure the boy. website's going to be <laughs> nights and full. Yeah, I mean, big big series against Texas. The, these are the kind of games that the Mariners, if they're going to end this playoff drought, need to win, uh, beat up on these kind of lesser opponents. And then Seahawks preseason opener in Pittsburgh, just kind of seeing what the roster starts to look like. Looks like a few of the veteran guys are going to be out of action, so it's. I think we're going to see a lot of these this you know highly touted rookie class uh, get a lot of playing time on Saturday, which is going to be really exciting, and we'll have it all covered on the website. I like to hear that. Make sure you're heading over to SeattleSports.com for everything this weekend. Brandon, really appreciate you joining me, and uh, we'll talk again. Yeah, I I have a feeling that uh, more extra innings will be in my future. <laughs> Always a great time having Brandon in studio here on Extra Innings. When we come back, we will hear from Mariners GM Jerry Depoto, as he always does on Thursdays for the Jerry Depoto Show. Everything you need to know about the Mariners in one interview. That's coming your way after the break right here on Extra Innings on Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. About 15 minutes from now, Paul Seawald, he joined myself and Stacey Rost earlier this week for a conversation about his great season, his second straight great season, as well as talking dad stuff. That's coming your way in about 15 minutes from now. Also, in the 8 o'clock hour, Levi Weaver of The Athletic, he's going to stop by and join me for a series preview of this Mariners and Rangers series. But right now... Jerry DePoto, as he does each and every Thursday at 8.30 a.m., he joined the Mike Salk Show to talk about just how great of a job Scott Service has done in handling this pitching staff and this bullpen and this lineup through all the constant roster shuffling that has gone on this season. But also, one of the biggest shuffles in the roster was the addition of Luis Castillo. We've had two chances, two really great opportunities to take a look at the Mariners' newest acquisition. What does Jerry DePoto make of his acquisition of Luis Castillo. I would imagine he's very pleased with what he's seeing. Uh, second outing was dominant. It, actually, that that game in general might have been the single best regular season game I've ever watched. Just the, you know, it, it looked like two heavyweight fighters just exchanging blows, which uh, the Yankees, I, I think, from a national perspective, you expect that of, but I think that might have surprised the rest of the world uh, from the Mariners. And, and, you know, Luis Castillo is the, the starter of that. You know, eight innings of what I thought was just pure dominance. The stuff, the location, the poise, the moxie. I thought yeah, he brought it all. 
Yeah, he's got quite the presence. I mean, I, you know, you can kind of hear about the stuff from afar or, you know, watch some of the video, but really watching him over the course of a game, I was really struck by his presence on the mound. Yeah, you know, you saw it in that first outing in New York where, you know, it's not an easy picture to paint where you are going in, you're making your second start out of your last three at Yankee Stadium versus what has been the best offense in baseball, really, in, in a hostile environment debuting for your new team and and to keep yourself together to stay as composed as Luis was in that outing you know really made you look forward to the next all right if he handles himself that well in that environment how will he do at home and you know and and then lo and behold the crowd brought it you know they brought it for this entire homestand but especially you know what they were able to do in the Yankee series and Tuesday night to create a playoff-like environment because it felt that way. Yeah, it, it seemed like they, just like you said, uh, one of the great games you've ever watched, it seems like they recognized that they were in the middle of watching something special and reacted to it as well. I, I can't tell you I've ever seen anything quite like that game. And just the two bullpens going back and forth, I can't believe there wasn't a single player, a single fastball thrown under 95 miles an hour until the 10th inning. I mean, can, can you imagine what would what that would have been like when you were playing? Well, there weren't enough pitchers in the league that threw 95 mile an hour fastballs then to make that possible right <laughs> much less in one game and and i you know the, the fact i think it was 162 consecutive fastballs that were 95 miles an hour or more Jeez. and i and it wasn't just that they were 98 it was 98 with movement life and location and there, there were so many things happening the secondary weapons that we were seeing in that game and now the, I, I felt badly for hitters because that's how spectacular the pitching was. And, and yet you looked up and, and, you know, the 0-0 score really belied how much action there was in that game. That Matt Brash play was one of the most bizarre, incredible, and cool moments I've seen on a baseball field. What was your reaction as it happened? I think the, the probably the same as everybody else. Throw your hands up in the air over your head and say, "No way, that just happened." But <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, give Matt credit. Super athletic by by pitcher standards or anyone. He's he's one of the more athletic guys on our team, and and uh, I'm not sure that you can practice that play. <laughs> Truly, it's it's just one of those things that happens, you know, instinctually. And and he he not only caught the ball behind his back, but stayed composed enough to remember what the situation was, despite the fact that he didn't put the runner on second base. You know, that's a, that's a lot happening in a, in a small window for a young pitcher after he just made an adrenaline rush type play where sometimes you lose the moment. He, he didn't. And, and the fact that we were able to turn that into two outs was I, both amazing and, and afterward pretty funny. Like, I mean, you're, I don't think you'll ever see that play again in your, in your baseball life. No, I, I would agree with that. It's funny. He, we talked to him yesterday, and he said he's tried to make that play a million times in his life, and that's the first time he's ever caught one behind his back like that. Just, I mean, what are the odds, right? Very low, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Have you ever made a play like that in your years of pitching? Have you ever made one of those behind-the-back types of catches? No, you swing your glove frequently. You know, it's, a, it's as a pitcher, a natural instinct is when the ball's behind you that way, you do swing your glove in that direction. And I've clipped a ball, I've knocked one down, but you never catch it clean like that. <laughs> and, you know, I've seen pitchers do it before, but to, to do it in that moment uh, when, when the game was that, magnified was phenomenal 
Jared, why do you think this team has been so good in one-run games for going on two years now? You know, I, I did see a quote from Paul uh, yesterday, and, and I think, and I've said this through the years, this is something we do. You know, the Mariners have done this even prior to this group, just, in, you know, during our time here, you know, my, my time, Scott's time, and, and Scott and our staff have become very adept at managing those close games and, and remaining calm in the, in the big moments and, and when the game gets tight. And I've always believed that your team takes on the characteristics characteristics of its leadership. And, you know, Scott does handle those situations very well. We've we've gone out and we've we've played these games over and over, year after year. And I think as a result, you know, the, the players become very comfortable in situations that others maybe not as comfortable. And uh, I I do think there's something to that. Experience lends itself to us performing well in those moments. One thing I notice is that they they don't make a lot of mistakes in general. I mean the the Mariner the the Scott Service led Mariners have not made a lot of base running errors or you know throwing to the wrong base or any of those things. Do you think Scott is does he teach those fundamentals or stress them in a way that is unique? Oh, I think so. You know, and but I, I will say this: of the teams that I've been with, the managers I worked with or or played for, I, I do think that. Most managers take great pride in preparing their teams to do the little things. I, I, we have, we have great students in addition to great programs and, and stressing those, those details. And, and I think like so many of the other systems we run, the, the focus on the small thing for us is, is something we stress every day. It's not just a spring training thing. It's an everyday thing. And, and that goes from Scott Service to Perry Hill and what he does with our infielders, you know, to Chris Negron and Manny Acta and the roles they play with our outfielders and our base runners. It's, you know, it's, it's such a, a detail-oriented environment, and we never let up off the gas in that category. And, and therefore, our players make it a priority rather than a small secondary thought. I'm sure it doesn't hurt having six guys coming out of your pen with ridiculous sliders. You know, that's the thing that really stood out, the, the entire homestand, really, because the bullpen, you know, to, with the, 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 the added game with the split doubleheader last Saturday and, and, you know, the consecutive games, the stress levels and, and, and the, the severity of the scoreboard. You know, I mean, every day you're looking up there and they're close games and, and your bullpen is really playing a key role. And, and they really, since the All-Star break, have been, phenomenal in a way that they they were great for months prior to that but stepping up against the Astros against the Yankees in these situations and bringing the stuff every night has been so fun to watch yeah you know I was thinking about it you know first of all how you had to rebuild this pen a little bit over the course of this year right and and some of the guys that started in it either were injured or, or were ineffective and a new group has kind of come around but I was. I wanted to ask you, and maybe we've talked about this in the past, but the the decision not to go with a strict closer who comes in in the ninth inning, but to do whether you call it a committee approach or what I would consider almost a common sense approach of using the right the right pitcher for the right situation. How did you guys set about making a plan to implement that? and sell it to the players who we'd always heard needed to have on the closer, on the setup guy, et cetera. How did you, how did you work on communicating that? You know, it, it's an area where I think Scott and our staff have been awesome and, and continue to be. But, you know, the, the easy answer to the question is 
at the end of the 2018 season, we traded Eddie Diaz, who was a premium closer, you know, at the time, perhaps the best closer in baseball. And, and maybe that guy again. But, you know, from 2019 through present day, we never focused on having a single closer. And, and starting really in 2020 during the, the pandemic summer, you know, that, that was a two-year stretch of 19 and 20 where we really didn't have uh, the same type of bullpen that we had from 16 to 18. And then, and then in the time since we were, we were searching for the right guys who could handle that high leverage situation. And, and, you know, once you find one, you, you put them onto the, you know, into the, the high leverage bucket. And, you know, and then we started focusing on the various port parts of the game and matchups that come throughout the, the game rather than just can we get the ball to so-and-so in the ninth inning. And, and, uh, and that evolved into maybe my favorite part of what we do, which is you know, a collaboration amongst our analysts and our coaches, our pitching people, Scott, you know, where we sit down and we go through that lineup every day with a fine-tooth comb uh, in the afternoon before the game ever starts talking about the various situations and matchups that may occur and who are our best options. And, and as a result – the pitching moves that we make are almost never surprising to any of us because it's Scott is so in tune with what we've done before that game starts in, in, in preparation for that moment that the moment just be, simply becomes identifying it soon enough to get the right guy up. And I think Scott has become, in my opinion, the best guy in the league at doing that. When we return, we take a listen to a conversation Stacy Rost and myself had with Paul Seawald earlier this week. You're not going to want to miss it. This is Extra Innings on Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. Comes to the plate, the pitch, swing on the miss, they got him! Oh baby, what a slider that was, top of the zone! Oh, Seawald with a dramatic strikeout. You want to talk about high leverage relievers. It doesn't get more high leverage than the situations Paul Seawald finds himself in, especially in this Yankees series, shutting the Yankees down in that 10th inning of Tuesday night and then coming back the following day, getting the final three outs for the save in the Mariners 4-3 victory as the Mariners took two of three from the Yankees. Now, Paul Seawald, before coming to the Mariners, was not a high leverage reliever. He was not somebody that his career had definitely sputtered out in New York, but coming to the Mariners, they have resurrected his career. Not only that, but he has been on a rocket ship over the last couple seasons, been one of the best relief pitchers in the American League, certainly the best relief pitcher on the Mariners roster over the last two seasons. What has gone into that turnaround? Well, he credits someone in particular. In fact, Paul joined myself and Stacey Rost earlier this week on Seattle Sports Station to talk about that. And also, I had to ask Paul, how do you put your guys' one-year-old baby to bed following night games because I myself have struggled with that. We took our one-year-old Willa to the Mariners game on Monday night. So I had to know, Paul, how exactly do you get that taken care of? I make no promises. Uh, <laughs> Chloe has the same issue when she comes to the night games. Um, that's why mostly she comes to the games as well. So um, you talk you talk to the people who are in charge of the commercials and making sure that Yankees games are longer <laughs> than any other games. That's who that's who you need to talk to. Wait, are they really? You oh guys? yeah, are you absolutely. kidding? The Yankees games are longer than any other games for whatever reason. Tries to... Well, I think the Yankees they take a lot of pitches, which oh, definitely okay. extends ball games. Uh, but yes, historically, we, the Yankees it, have had the longest games of any team. We, 
it's always it's always a it's always a long game, especially at Yankee Stadium. And and you know, I don't, I'm not sure if it's nationally televised tonight or whatever, but that always has an impact too. So uh, yeah. I can't make any promises. I apologize. Well, it was worth a shot. It, it was, was worth it's a, a shot. That counts. And Paul's well, like, look, if my kids do the best we can, maybe we can win two to nothing, and then it just will be two hours and thirty minutes. That's Perfect. Perfect. I love it. That's that's ideal in an ideal world. Um, hey, so uh, tell us uh, about kind of the the feeling in the club post All Star break. You haven't had exactly the success you did before, but the success you did before was just uncanny. No one's expecting that. But how have you guys tried to keep energy up, keep the excitement going? You've talked about just focusing on the game ahead, but. Uh, is, is, do you have any new, um, I don't know, like habits, anything new the team is, is doing? No, I think, you know, it was a little bit unrealistic to think that we were going to win every game the rest of the season. I don't know, um, Paul. I think, <laughs> oh, not with that attitude. <laughs> not with that attitude, Paul. We, we were rolling. I, I, it was unfortunate that the All-Star break came exactly when it did. Um, but you could kind of tell everyone was kind of, they were grinding out the last few games. Everyone was tired. It was exactly what we needed. And you know, we didn't get off to the best start, you know, when Houston came to town, but I feel like we've played, we've played pretty well so far and we're, you know, we're, we're just trying along and that's what it's all about. And, you know, that we make some good acquisitions at the deadline. And, you know, I think we got a bunch of really good guys that are going to end up helping us get to the playoffs. And, you know, we're just, uh, we're doing exactly what we were doing before the deadline and, or before the all-star break. And we're just going to keep, keep going and keep going and keep working hard. And, and things are, uh, things are looking really good for us. Paul, one thing I look at with your numbers this year that stands out to me, I mean, your numbers are still incredible. Uh, Last year, you relied a lot more on on getting the strikeout. Your strikeouts were, what, 14.5 per nine innings. This year, down around 10, but that's still a great number. But how have you been able to manage to to get as many outs as you had this year while not relying entirely on the strikeout? Yeah, I think it's, you know, I think my strikeout totals last year were maybe a little bit unrealistic anyways to expect that that was going to happen again. Um, you know, Munoz has given a, given me a run for his money. That's for sure. <laughs> um, but I think, I think it was just a perfect storm with all the strikeouts last year. And this year I feel like, you know, it's, it doesn't look quite as dominating because there's not 14 strikeouts per nine, but I would say, I would say I've pitched just as good or better because, you know, if I can get him out quicker than having to use five or six pitches, then it makes me more efficient and makes me able to pitch a little bit more and, you know, that's the whole point. I want to be out there as often as I can. Well, and you, you mentioned getting batters out more efficiently. Yesterday, you were in that 12-pitch at-bat with, uh, what was it, David Fletcher in the ninth inning. Uh, what was going through your mind in, in that battle where he was just fouling off pitch after pitch after pitch? I, I, was, I knew I was going to get him out. It was just a matter of time, and it was kind of like it was, more, it was more just annoying than it was anything. And, you know, <laughs> I knew, I knew if, I made, I'm, if I made my pitches, I was going to be fine. It just, you know, he was giving a good battle. And, you know, I didn't make the perfect slider to, uh, to get him to swing and miss, so then I had to go to the fastball and, and got him. And, you know, at the end of the day, we got him um, to hit a soft grounder, and that's all that matters. Got the first out of the inning. Real establishing yourself as the alpha mentality to be like it's more annoying. Yeah, like, <laughs> knowing it's come taking, on, man. God, you're making this longer than it needs to be, man. It's gonna just take you I'm out. Strike you out. Get anyway. back to the dugout. <laughs> hey, uh, no, it's, it is good that you still got those strikeouts though, because Paul, you've got Seawald Strikeout for Kids. Uh, tell us a bit about it and how you got involved. So, Seawald Strikeouts for Kids is something that my wife Molly and I put together. Um, you know, we had like we talked about, we had Chloe last year, and and she changed our life more than anything, and we realized that. The uh, the expenses and the and the stresses that it comes with with having a child and you know we are beyond fortunate that we don't really have to worry about the expenses and and we have endless resources of family and you know we're very very fortunate but not everyone is nearly as fortunate as the Seawall family so 
Um, we did SeaWorld Strikeouts for Kids is, is a pledge that we're making. We're going to give $200 for every strikeout I have to, uh, to Eastside Baby Corner, which is an incredible organization here in the Puget Sound area that is, that is making parents' lives a million times easier all over the place with, with what they can do for kids. They have formula, diapers, clothes, um, school, school supplies, toys, uh, blankets when it's cold, jackets, the whole thing, car seats, uh, you know, it, car seats are an incredible thing that, you know, they, they are one of the only people in Puget Sound that can actually install your car seat to, <clears throat> excuse me, to exact, uh, measurements and everything like that. And, and so Eastside Baby Corner is amazing. And, and we're pledging to get $200 for every strikeout that I have this year. So, um, I, I know I'm talking about being efficient, but I would like to rack up some strikeouts here in August, September, make sure I can give more money to the kids. Hey, in that case, you're up to about 10,000 so far. So that's, that's a pretty nice, pretty nice donation. But we are also rooting for every strikeout, Paul. Thank you. We appreciate that. And we've, you know, we've had so many people, Mariners fans, uh, just fans of Eastside Baby Corner that have pitched in too. And, you know, we're raising more money than we ever thought was possible. And, you know, we're, we're very grateful for Mariners fans. That's awesome. Paul, uh, just getting back to dad life i mean you you guys have have nearly spent what a, a full year with with chloe i mean what has been the most what has been your most favorite part of, of being a dad because I, I, speaking from personal experience i mean there is nothing that can prepare you for becoming a parent and uh i imagine you know you having to balance your your professional career and being gone so much i mean it probably makes those times when you're at home with with your wife and, and with your baby girl all the sweeter they're, they're the best we are so thankful for technology facetime is uh is facetime is our best friend when i have to spend half my time on the road so very thankful for facetime and she's she's starting to get it um where she'll look at me on the facetime if, if molly says look at daddy which is pretty special and you know it's just amazing it, you know it makes me want to uh, make sure we win quickly on the road and get home and, <laughs> and uh, come home and get to see, get to see my family. And, you know, it's just, a, it's awesome to spend the mornings uh, with her. And it's, you know, instead of sleeping until 11, like I used to, it's, it's a lot more, it's a lot more fun this time. Um, so we, I'm just, I'm just so thankful that they're able to be here and, you know, that she's a good sport on uh, late games, day games, the whole thing. She's uh she's great. We are, uh, we're, we're a little, we're a little emotional that it's going to be that her birthday's on Friday. It's Aww. crazy how quickly it turns, how quickly it gets there. But it's uh, we're we're so thankful for this last year. It's been amazing. Oh, hoping you guys have a wonderful, happy wonderful birthday. Friday. Yeah, happy early birthday, uh, and uh, and it'll be a phenomenal time. Um, Paul, we've we've so appreciated you taking the time to to join us today to talk a bit and to let us inside family life a little bit. Right, it's one side of players' lives that people don't see is that when you have these huge monumental moments, right? A new baby girl or uh, coming in on the first year birthday or all these big moments that so much of that has to be on the road or working around a schedule and that's on top of the stress of the season. So it's why I love these interviews because everyone listening has family. And, and there are so many, especially dads that are listening with young kids who think, oh man, like I'm uh, this feeling that Paul is feeling is exactly how I'm feeling. I know Curtis is uh, just had Willa's first birthday a little while ago, and I can see you getting kind of emotional. Oh yeah, because uh, like that <laughs> I first feel like year, I'm making both of you when emotional. it's in the rear view, Paul, you just look back at it and it's like, man, we made it. Like we did this. <laughs> like I guess we got you know a few more years to go. Like <laughs> eighteen until she's off to college. But yeah, yeah. It, yeah congrats to you. Congrats to your wife. Because uh, I mean, it, that's an incredible accomplishment. Probably, it, it, I would imagine that's a greater accomplishment than anything you've ever had on the field. 
Oh, not, not even a doubt. Not even a doubt. And, you know, it's, I, I say that it's not a coincidence that when we found out my wife was pregnant, that my career turned around. I think it's been, uh, I think it's been a direct correlation and, and we are just, we're so grateful for everything Chloe gives us. And I appreciate you guys making it a little, a little uh, more personable and not, not as much baseball. I, you know, people sometimes lose that, but we are, uh, we're people just like everybody else and we have our families and, and uh, you know, some of us just throw baseball better than, you know, most people in the world, but yeah. that's, that's all, that's all it is. You know. still parents at the end of the day. <laughs> wait, 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 just Paul to be like, just a reminder. I am like really good at baseball, but really good, really good dad too. So hope, hope you guys and Chloe have a, have a wonderful Friday and, uh, and good luck in the series, man. We're rooting for you. Thank Thanks, you so much. Man. We appreciate it. Go ahead. Hey, make sure you're downloading the podcast of Extra Innings as well as every other hour of every other show right here on Seattle Sports Station. You can download them at seattlesports.com. You can download the Seattle Sports app. Also, subscribe Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever it is you download your podcasts. We're there for you. Coming up around the break, we've got Levi Weaver of The Athletic. He covers the Rangers. Also, we're going to take a listen to Jeff Passan's conversation with Mike Salk and then Ryan Roland-Smith when he was on with Bump and Stacey earlier today. We'll take a listen to all of those conversations. That's coming up your that's coming your way in hour two of extra innings, which gets started after the break right here on Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network.